0: something different for you college students have asked me questions they have things that they want to know and so I thought it'd be fun to take a minute or two just to talk to them and they have pre-recorded their questions so there are going to be a few questions and I'll come back and I'm gonna teach a message that you're not going to want to miss it's called the tension between church and children and it's just a 10-minute word but watch this we had a few questions from college students
1: hey pastor Ricky I have a question In this time of waiting, how do I know what I'm waiting for is actually for me?
0: Now, I've pre-recorded a longer answer to these questions that you can go look at online. So if you missed the 9 o'clock service or the other sermon that I did, because I did a separate sermon for the digital audience today at 9, you can go and listen to the extended answer. My short answer to this question is this. You know something is for you when it's good for you. If it's not good for you, excuse my grandma, it ain't good for you. And so a lot of times in life, you have to to give yourself a chance to look at what you're waiting for. And if it's the guy you've been waiting for, if he's the right guy, he'll be the right guy when you get him. If you start off up here with him, you don't need to go down. He needs to bring blessing. If it's a good job, it should bring blessings to your your life. More money, more opportunity, and make you feel more fulfilled. That's my answer. Here's a long answer online. Watch this.
1: Hey Pastor Ricky, my name is Shayla Ashley-Pierre and I'm a junior here at Savannah State University. And my question to you today is, when do you know you've waited enough? Obviously you spoke about, you know, is God waiting for us in the last sermon. And you also spoke about meeting him halfway and putting in the work so he can meet us halfway. But what, what happens when you feel like you've worked towards a lot of things? You obviously haven't gotten them yet. You're kind of in like middle halfway up the mountain and there's just it's kind of blank it's kind of a question mark it's kind of do I keep going is it meant to be should I wait more should I put in more work like it's just like it's just so many questions so what do you recommend being in a season of doubt of just questions is it right should I wait more am I not putting enough work like what what's next you know have I waited enough or sometimes I know a lot of things are not meant to be For that moment, Um, sometimes you're in a season where, you know, you want something so bad, but it's not the right time. Maybe God has that plan for you later down the line or not planned at all. So when do you know that something is really meant for you, especially in a season where you feel like God isn't talking to you much? Because that's kind of where I am now. So hoping you can answer my question. Thank you. And have a great one.
0: Here's what I've learned. On the way to greatness, it just takes longer than you expect. And you don't always know how to get there. That's why I always do this. As you go, he guides you. Have you ever started out thinking you knew where you wanted to go until you got to go and start going in that direction and found out that was the wrong direction? You ever dated somebody and then you found out on the first, second, or third date that wasn't the right person? You can say amen if you're here. So sometimes you don't know. It's the process that you must embrace. The process of waiting. Next question. Hey, Pastor Ricky. I have a question. How do I deal with the anticipation or if I just feel like I've been waiting forever? <laughs> Everybody say a book with me, right? Say The Molecule of More. It's a new book I've been reading. It's really great. And, it's the, and the molecule of more is dopamine, and it's the anticipation molecule. We live with, with this, this, this drive to have something. And you want it so bad, and then you live with moments when it's gone. You don't have any, any ambition. What's really important is to have both. Embrace the process of dreaming, that anticipation. That's a good thing. I like the fact that at 65 years old, I still know what I want to be as I, as I keep growing. Because it used to be when you were small, they say, what do you want to be when you grow up? When you get to my age, they say, how long are you going to live? <laughs> but I think it's always important to have that. To always dream anticipate reach for it and just embrace that process next question
1: hi Pastor Ricky my name is Shayla Harris and I have a question for you how do I know that everything that I've been waiting for in my business is going to come to me
0: sometimes you don't know sometimes you start off in a business you find out the business is not what you thought it was going to be and you get into a new business Part of the power of doing business is working through the process, waiting through it, uh, meeting new customers, building a process, building a new plan. Sometimes your business plan was wrong. Sometimes your financial plan was wrong. And so embrace the process. Notice this. As you wait, you're going to grow and learn. And you'll find out that sometimes that's the best way to build a better business. I had a different business plan for my life. And look where I am. It's amazing, isn't it? Next question.
1: What's up, Pastor Ricky? This Alonzo. Quick question for you. How do
0: I know that my major is aligned with my purpose in life? And how long do I have to wait to know the answer to that? I don't know if you can know that right away. Sometimes in life, you're in a position like I am. I found out that I was going to be a pastor somewhere in my major. My major was theology in my undergrad. And um, I didn't think I was going to be a pastor. That's amazing. But look where I am. So sometimes it's when you embrace the process, learn, keep learning. That's why I like college. College is the place, school period, high school, it's the place you learn and you, you, you begin to identify things about yourself in the learning process. So sometimes you don't know when you're taking a major. But what I say is finish something. Can I get an amen, somebody? And it will come to you. Watch this now. As you go, he'll guide you. Next question. Hey, Pastor Ricky. Hey. It's Maya. Um, I do have a quick question for you.
1: What does waiting really teach us? You know, I've been patient, working, humble, diligent, but what does waiting really teach
0: us? It teach you how to wait. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to be successful, you have to hurry up a lot of times and wait. They say that, all right? Hurry up and wait. It's a military term. Got to hurry up and wait. And they say, they say in the in movie industry, every... Every successful effort requires the ability to wait patiently. So that's my short answer. I think that's it. One more question. Are we there? I think we're there. Nope.
1: Hey, hey Pastor Ricky, What's it's So hey. I have a quick question for you. Uh, what is your go to scripture to help you boost your spirits or boost your faith and what it is that you're exactly waiting for? What is it that boosts you up? when you're kind of getting discouraged in your seasons of waiting. Obviously, um, I'm very knowledgeable that I've been working hard, that I have a lot of things going for myself, and that there is more to come from God. But, um, of course, being human, you can get discouraged. So what are some of those go-to scriptures for you or your go-to scripture for you whenever you get discouraged in your seasons of waiting?
0: I like Isaiah 40. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I believe with all my heart. I think it's Isaiah 40, 39. I think there's something powerful about that verse, and I use it all the time. Isaiah 40 and 31, I'm sorry. That verse really helps me. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Say that with me, please. Come on. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. If you're a little bit lost in terms of how this works, every year I answer one question. And every year I talk about one thing that, that helps you understand the answer to that question. Why don't people always do what they say they're going to do? It's because they don't know how to. Wait. That's what we talk about this month. You will never get to where you say you want to be in life if you don't know how to wait. Uh, is that the last question? I think that is. Yes? No? Yes? It is. Good. Okay. Open your Bible, if you would please, to Matthew chapter 19, verse 13. If you have notes, notes are also on the screen, and uh, they're, um, they're also online. If you uh, missed um, uh, our wonderful note option, please take advantage of it because it's really great. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Now today's brief 10-minute talk is about something you don't want to miss. It's simple. Repeat the topic with me, please. Say the tension between church and children. It is my conviction that churches have a hard time with children. And that's easy to see because of the way they spend their money, the way they invest their lives. There's a conversation that Jesus has with the disciples. It's a pretty profound conversation. And it's between some adults and some children. Come on, say some adults and children. Jesus said this in Matthew 19, 13. Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place in, to place his hands on. Hear it slowly. The peep then people brought little children to Jesus for him to do what? Place his hands on them. And do what? Pray for them. One more time. All the people wanted, all the parents wanted, was for Jesus to do what? Place his hand on them. And do what? Pray for them. That's all they asked for. They didn't ask for any money. They didn't ask for any um, food. They didn't ask for anything. They just wanted Jesus to do what? Place his hand on them and do what? Pray for them. But the Bible says the disciples rebuked them. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, I I can understand if they were coming demanding something beyond laying your hands and praying for them, but somehow in the disciples' mind, children are over here and adults are over here. And so imagine being a child for a minute, watching this unfold. Your parents bring you to this great man named Jesus And all your parents want him to do is lay lay his hands on you and pray for you. That's all. It sounds like something that everybody should say amen to. But for some reason, the disciples said, get back. The master doesn't have time for that. Now, Now, that's tension. In the disciples' minds, this is a church moment a holy moment. And if you're not careful, what those disciples did is what we do. It's it's stunning. Church is where you got in the most trouble. Sit down, be quiet, don't make any noise. I tell people all the time, if children were to organize a church service, you know what it'd be like? Like this. We're going to be out of here in a few minutes. Short, sweet, and to the point. The sermons would be timed, and then we'd have a recess. We'd go outside and play for a while. You would not have to dress up in your Sunday best. It's amazing. Listen to Jesus' response in verse 14. Jesus said, let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them. Say that with me, please. Do not not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he ignored the disciples. And I never read this. All the years I've read this verse, for some reason I never read this part. I never noticed it. He ignored them and he placed his hands on them, the very thing they didn't want. He went on from there after he'd done that. When you were a child, how did you view church? Was it the place you just couldn't, couldn't wait to go to? Did you enjoy the length of the service? Did you understand the messages? Was the preacher someone you could speak to? Did you ever talk to your pastor? It's amazing how in this job you can feel like my role is to be away from you and not close to you. My role is to entertain you and not really help you. We're not creating, if we're not careful, an environment where children feel that church belongs to them. It's designed not just for adult people. But here's what's the strange truth that many don't know. Do you know there's only a 6% probability you will come to Christ after you turn 18? Let me say it again. There's only a 6% probability of salvation after 18. Almost everybody you see come to an altar to get saved was already saved and backslid. Let me say it again. They were already Walking with God as children, as young people. But when they got to high school, it was Ladies' Night and the feet. Th- All right. See, and so everybody, you knew the song, that's why you laughed, so you knew exactly what I'm talking about. Somehow you got away from God somewhere around 16, 17, definitely by 19, most of you were gone. Most of you were gone. Most people about 19 have already stepped way out of the limb. And so when they live a while, they find out cool breeze wasn't as cool. They found out that swinging their hips from right to left doesn't work after a certain age. It stays over there longer than you want it to. (laughs) Sling it one way and it won't go back. Go back real slow. (laughs) After a while, you change. Your view changes and you begin to realize this does not work. And so somewhere around college, when you find out you've got to graduate and get a job for real, and now you've got to get out into the real world, after a marriage breaks up or a love thing breaks your heart, after you have few children and they all talk at the same time and call your name and yell at you, that's when you begin to say, I need God. When I look at the laundry, I need God. <laughs> when I look at my bills, I need who? When I look at what's going on around me in my neighborhood and my family, we need who? God, and then you come back to church and you come to the altar and give your life back to God. But you're coming back to God because you left God. Come on, talk to me, somebody. And so Jesus, being the wise man that he is, says do not prevent them from coming. Most churches spend very little money on children. If you get the notes, you can see I wrote some things for you. I think it came to $21 a week. That's including staff, housing, and all the stuff involved. There's a small investment in children. They'll spend big money on other, other things, but it's amazing how adults, sometimes if we're not careful, hinder them. When we started having youth services. I had to, we had to make sure the adults didn't stop, stop the kids from being who they are. And it's important to me that I don't let that happen. Now I want to conclude with this final thought. I'm going to give you six to, six, six to seven things you can do if you want to reach children. Six to seven things. Repeat this me, please. Say, think about, them. think about them. Now I want you to say it again. Come on, say what? Think about them. If you're not careful, everything we do in religious services is all about adults. Everything. The musicians we choose, the music we play, everything is about us. secondly, Plan for them. Plan. Have a plan for them. Sit down with them and don't just let older people make the plans. Somebody that's not youth minded can't always make a decision for youth. Thirdly, include them. Can you say everything, please? Come on. Include them. Let them be a part of the process. Number four, be nice to them. Just be nice. Smile. Laugh. Number five, learn them. You know, it's amazing. These are young scholars. They go to school several hours a day. They're learning all the time. They're reading all the time. They're learning history, math, science. These are scholars. They may be short, but they're smart. You look at their grades and celebrate them, but you underestimate their intelligence. They know that ain't your husband. they don't know that? You think they don't understand? I have, a, I have, a, I have, a, I have, you know, I have had two children. I have one little grandbaby. She's amazing. The questions when you're alone with her. Papa, can we have a conversation? No. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. The the intelligence. I mean, the full engagement. She'll play with me. Well, you know, I'll shoot with water guns. We'll play. And, but then at the end of it, she says, uh, you know, you just look at her you're smarter than this. Oh, yeah, I'm just playing with you because you want to shoot me with water guns. But I can really talk. I have opinions. I have views. I see things that I don't say. <laughs> Number six, empower them. Give them power. You know what they say? When you're a child, you're the most powerless person. You're, you're, I'm sorry, you're at the most powerless season of your life. That's why people, when they get 16, 17, they want to get out of your house. They want some power. They want to have some control of their life, who they like, where they go, what they do. If you're not careful, you take all the power from them. Sit down and be quiet. Children should be seen and not heard. I'm sorry, seen, I heard. I can do it. If you're not careful, that's all you think about is taking all the power. And if you're not careful, you think all of your life, you're supposed to have the same level of power, even when they grow up. And then the last thing you should do, ready? Hire them. Churches in particular. Churches can take all of this and say, when you sit in your elders' meetings and your deacons' meeting, what are you thinking about? Are you planning for them? Are you including them? Are you nice to them? Is the service length nice to them? Sometimes you go to church as a kid, do you remember these days? And you sit there and you listen because you don't want to be in trouble. And you listen, you fall asleep, you wake up and you're still listening. And in your heart, and your mind, you say, I don't mind trying to come here, but I would love to leave at some point in time <laughs> awake and not have to come back that evening yeah. and then come back in the middle of the week. I say this lovingly, and I mean no harm when I say it. We're the only army. How many of you are in the army of the Lord? Raise your hand if you're in the army of the Lord. You are? Yes. Raise your hand again. Come on. Are you not, are you not, are you not in the army? Are you in the army? Raise your hand. Come on. One, two, three. I'm going to try it again. There you go. I'm looking. If you're in the army of the Lord, we are the only army that asks all of his troops to come to the same barracks every week and march twice in the same place. The enemy knows where we are because we're all in the same place. We're not going into all the world, hear that, people, and preaching the gospel to every creature. If we're not careful, we're more focused on coming together, which is fine, You got to come together. You got to train together. You got to worship together. I get all that. But if you're not careful, we don't go anywhere. And sometimes young people, when they look at us, they say, you don't go anywhere. You don't do anything. You don't have any passion. And that, my friend, creates tension between church and children. I say, let it go. Let's worship God. Let's love the children. Can you say amen? Bow your heads with me. Let's pray together. Father, we leave this moment saying thank you for children. I pray that what we've talked about today would help us understand that we who are in this leadership role as adults have a role to play. And that role is to include and embrace everyone. I pray that what we've said today, what Jesus has modeled for us when he laid his hands on the children. He modeled for the disciples. No, we don't want to rebuke them. We want to hire them. We want to bring them in. We want to love them. We want to support them. Help us to get that connection. May it be seen in the buildings we put up. May it be seen in the way we spend our money, the people we hire. May it be seen, Lord God, in our our messages, that they're simple and easy for kids to understand. And so we thank you for this day, and we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to pray for people who are coming back to God. I'm going to pray for people who are saying, I need you to pray for me because I'm one of those people, Pastor, that needs to come back to God. I, I need to give God my life. I want you to, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you want me to pray for you, and all I'm going to do is pray for you, then we're going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate you today. If you would say, yeah, pray for me. I want, I want to come back. I want, I want God. I want to, I want to walk with God in a new way. I I hear, I heard you today. Pray for me, Pastor. Am I walk with God? Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you where you're sitting? Anybody, I see your hand. Come on, I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see five, I see six, I see seven, eight, nine. Anybody else, put them, put them back down. Anybody else, I see another one. There you go. I see you online. I know your hands are raised, your hearts are lifted. I know you are, I know you are hearing me today. And I praise God for you today. Let's pray this prayer. Back there, I see you. Thank you. I see you. Father, we pray for all who raise their hands. Let's all raise our hands together with them, shall we? We raise our hands and we raise our hearts today, celebrating those who come to say, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life, or I need to rededicate my life to God wherever they are. Let this be that moment, oh God, of dedication and recommitment to you. May this be a moment they say, I hear you, I get it, and I realize I need God in my life in a new way, with a new level of commitment and passion in jesus name and everybody say amen it all starts with a prayer it all starts with a sincere heart now can you give god a big hand for all of those who said yes